From the campus at Northern State University, this is an EdTech podcast for South Dakota teachers. Yes, it is another podcast episode today, and what we want to talk about today is iPads, implementing those iPads in a one-to-one situation. So, let's get started. Well, what we're going to talk about today is based on a lot of research that's been done, and in my own experience working with implementing, uh, interviewing, and reading about iPad implementation. And I think that there are a lot of things that people just don't talk about. And it would be nice to know before you plan to implement iPads into your school or your situation, it'd be nice to know some of these things. So that's what I want to talk about today. First of all, let's get started talking about the iPad. Well, the iPad does some things well, but it doesn't do everything well, and it certainly is not a replacement for a laptop or desktop computer. And that's, I think, the first thing that people don't ever talk about when you read about the research for iPads or for technology integration in general. People don't often talk about the fact that the iPad is not a full computing device. And it wasn't ever really meant to be a replacement for a laptop, which is fine, but it's important to know that at the beginning. So because of this, you'll find that activities like typing, creating a document, creating content, and so forth are hampered on the iPad. It's not as easy, for instance, to type on the iPad as it is on another device. You might be saying to yourself, well, duh, Dr. Frankham, we know that. But people don't seem to take this into account when adopting iPads. They expect it to be the everything device. They expect to be able to have their students author documents and create things. And that's just not going to be the case all the time. Yes, it is possible to create documents on the iPad, but you're not going to do it with the same type of speed that you can in other devices. Also, for creating content, the iPad is not a content-creating device. It was originally devised to be a consuming, a content-consuming device. And now with all the apps that are available at this point in time, yes, it can be a content-creating device, but it wasn't originally meant to be that way but it has often been used in that way. And most of the content that you create is certainly not higher-level content, the most amazing thing you've ever seen on an iPad. But you can create some pretty cool things now with new apps and new possibilities that are out there. So those are some basic things to be aware of first about the iPad. And many of the things that you can do on a laptop you can do on an iPad, but it takes twice the amount of time. Those are some of the things to talk about preliminary. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly Before you adopt iPads, here are some things to consider. First, the good. The good is that the App Store. Apple App Store is the biggest app store out there. It has um, a great amount of apps to be used for education. These apps allow you to create content, to review content, to learn from things. You can install these on student computers, I mean iPads, to help them to learn amazing things. Although the apps are not always perfect, and Apple does censor its apps, so not everything is on there, but uh, a lot of apps are on there, and and very good apps are there. Also, the good from research and from experience, differentiation of instruction is a very good result of having one-to-one iPads in the classroom. And differentiation simply means that if I'm a student, I'm learning something a little bit different than my fellow student is learning, right? iPads can support this very well because of the range of apps that they have. They help you to differentiate learning very well. 
One student can be working on one app learning to read because he needs to learn to read. And another student can be on another app working on her math skills because that's what she needs. So differentiation has been a very common thread in a lot of the research studies done. It's very good to have these iPads for that. Also in tracking student progress. Okay, so you can track student progress with iPads. You can track a lot of what they do in the apps that they work in. Or you can have them be a part of a classroom response situation. I've talked about classroom response systems before in my blog. So a lot of ways to do this. They have found high engagement among students with iPads, and that's no surprise, I think, from the research. And then uh, there are books available. So books, meaning interactive textbooks or iBooks, textbooks, that are available for students to work on. So these books are available, but it's so important to remember to check to make sure that the textbooks that you want are available on the iPad, because certainly not every textbook in the world is available. And in fact, it's kind of a small selection that is available on the iPad. So that's the good with iPads. We found a lot of engagement. We found some interesting things in that way. Let's talk about the bad. The number one bad thing that I have found with the iPad is that it does not allow you to access your files. And this can be a real problem for a lot of school districts as they adopt iPads. They may expect the iPad to be able to allow the user to upload files to, say, a learning management system to share with the instructor. Or they may expect the iPad to be available to create a document. They may expect the users to be able to download documents from the web. And that's just simply not the case. It doesn't allow you to access certain types of files. So one of the big problems that we ran into here at Northern State actually was with the e-learning center and they were, they used D2L, Desire to Learn, as their learning management system. Well, you can't upload files to D2L using an iPad. They've tried it. It doesn't work. So that's a problem with, with adopting iPads is expecting it to be compatible with another system. And again, Apple's certainly not well known for being compatible with other types of systems. They certainly try to keep everything in their own system and not make it compatible. And this is just one example. Another example is Flash content. A lot of teachers might want to use Flash content learning items online, and you simply do not have access to Flash. Now, I understand that you might be able to install other browsers and other plugins to the iPad to make it work with Flash, but this really isn't that feasible of a possibility because I've heard of those things being very slow and not working very well. Uh, also, as I mentioned before, creating or typing documents. A lot of people think when they get to iPads, those students will be creating some amazing documents now. Well, that's not the case necessarily. It takes a lot more time to type up a document on the iPad than it does on a regular keyboard, just simply because the keyboard on the iPad is not very user-friendly, so to speak, compared to a regular keyboard, especially if you're used to typing on a regular keyboard. So that's going to be a problem as well. Um, and the iPad kind of gets around that by helping you with predictive sentence technologies and so forth, but it's still not anywhere near as fast as typing on a regular laptop or keyboard for a desktop computer. Next on the bad list is connectivity. So you need to be aware of how this iPad device is going to be shown. Is, will it connect to your projector or not? A lot of the iPads do not have a compatible connection that will go right to your projector. You have to buy a 
adapter, so to speak, to make it show. Um, if you have things like Apple TV, that's great. Apple TV works well showing the iPad through wireless signals. But if you don't have that, then you're going to have to figure something out as far as making it show on your projector and on other devices. So connectivity is certainly an issue as well. Uh, the bad also. Well, I talked about high engagement, right? But actually, sometimes this high engagement includes high distraction. So um, in one study, they talked about how students were off task quite often with their iPads doing social media and gaming and other things that were not related to the class. It comes back to the whole idea of the iPad being created as a not a content creation device. It's more of a consuming, content-consuming device. You watch something. You view something. You read something. It's a great device for that, but not so much for content creation. So students can be off-task if there are not boundaries put upon them, and they might use that for social media and gaming. And then finally from the bad, the noise. So... The iPads, of course, have speakers built into them, and there's a lot of noise that can be brought into the classroom by the iPads as students work on different projects. And so one of the things that some of the schools have mentioned is needing headphones for their students as they work on the iPads. And there's good and bad for that as well. It makes it quiet in the classroom, but it also helps students to kind of tone out the teacher if they have headphones on. So that's another bad item. Now we're moving on to the ugly. So we did the good and the bad. Now it's time for the ugly. All right, well, one of the th ugliest things that could happen is if there isn't any professional development to help teachers to integrate the iPads in the classroom and to give them good, useful ideas for using the iPad in the classroom and to use them in student-centered ways rather than just a teacher-centered way. Because if the teachers don't have good ideas for how to use the iPads in the classroom, they will just sit on the shelf. And you'll buy a piece of technology that gets obsolete very quickly. And iPads probably are one of the technologies that really gets obsolete very fast, and that's by design. Apple wants it that way. So that you have to buy a new one every year or every other year, how often. So don't do it that way. Make sure that there is professional development for teachers. Help them to learn how to use the devices and hopefully observe or see different ways to use the devices in student-centered ways. Uh, also, the ugly Wi-Fi signals, okay, and internet connections and blocking. Again, we go back to the whole blocking thing. So, of course, if the device cannot connect to the internet, then a lot of the activities that you could do would not be able to be done. And so you need to be able to connect to the internet to make sure that the, your Wi-Fi signal is strong enough to handle this whole bunch of devices in one classroom or in one school going off at the same time. Yeah, but having to do with the internet, of course, we tend to block so many things in school districts um, that simply won't work. I mean, that's just not going to work for students to be able to learn some of the things that they need to learn. And so, of course, in the first episode of this podcast, I talk about how blocking is done and in other episodes I've talked about blocking as well and how a better system is to not block everything but to teach proper use of the internet. And also the ugly is using technology for its own sake. So using the iPad just because we have them and they're cool and they're shiny and they're made by Apple. I'll buy anything if it's shiny and made by Apple. Let's use it for education. But then teachers use it and there's really no learning objective 
or no point to students using the device. And that's very possible too. And that falls under the ugly category as well with the iPad integration. There needs to be a learning objective. There needs to be a purpose for this activity that we're doing. Because as I've mentioned before, it's not the technology. It's not whether or not the technology is in your classroom. It's how you use it to help support learning objectives. So if you are just implementing some technology because it's cool and there's no real learning objective attached with what you're doing, then you aren't going to help students learn any better. It's about the learning, not about the technology. So that is the good, the bad, and the ugly of iPad integration. And a lot of these things have not been discussed. A lot of the things like file access and connection to Wi-Fi and so forth aren't very much discussed in circles when people are trying to decide whether to implement these iPad devices. Overall, yeah, I think it's great to have iPads implemented in the classroom. But you need to be aware of what they actually do. So don't just adopt a technology that you don't know what it does and go ahead and buy a whole bunch for all of your students. Instead, try it out. See what will happen if they try every little thing that they might try in the classroom. And then you'll make an educated decision on whether to adopt a technology or not. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.